Ciao ragazzi and welcome to the preview della Madonnina of Serie A sit down. I'm Frank Crivello. He's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank. How are we doing man? It's been a, a couple weeks. It's been a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. We we needed we needed to take a siesta after the craziness of the restart. Oh my um, you know and how everything unfolded uh, the 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 scudetto that nobody else seemed to want and uh, <laughs> the uh, maybe reemergence of Milan and uh uh, some some really good football being played and all of that. So yeah, well, I, I needed to take a br- take a break from all of that. As I said in our review with uh, uh, Martino and with Matt, that uh, I actually needed the break after all the victory laps I took for picking Chiro Immobile <laughs> as Capocannoniere and saying Pioli would be a successful manager for Milan and all this yeah. other stuff. Uh, so I'm refreshed. I'm ready to go. Season good. five, Richard. How about wow. it? Wow. Uh, we didn't have gray hairs when we started this, and now we both have gray hairs. Well, <laughs> I, don't have, I, do. I, don't, I don't have any hair. I That's, do. I do. Yeah. Somehow I'm uh, – Somehow I'm. Uh, I'd rather have the gray hair than than, than lose the hair, but it's – You know, it's it's what it is. It doesn't uh, so. stop growing, apparently, so. Yeah. So uh, if you are joining us on the YouTube channel, probably while you are making your Sunday gravy for dinner later tonight or just getting done with that uh, heavy Sunday brunch, uh, don't take a nap just yet. Uh, we've got plenty of content to cover here. Um, it is our season preview, and uh, to do this, we did uh, bring in a guest. He is earning his first cap on the Serie A sit-down. He's on the staff at Dimazio. He's the content editor at One Football and co-host of the Here We Go podcast with Fabrizio Romano. We say benvenuto to Francesco Porzio. Thank you, guys. Grazie. It's a pleasure for me, and... Um... Here we go, as we say, right? And there you go. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's get some Serie A going uh, here. We've uh, I watched enough. I watched enough Premier League. And uh, oh, by the way, um, <laughs> happened to see uh, Leicester's uh, two uh, ex Serie A players linking up on their first goal today. It was uh, nice yeah. to see Priot to Castan, um, and then also another ex Serie A player, Mosala, getting a hat trick. But you know, Martin Keown has a totally different opinion about Serie A players than we do. <laughs> But enough about that. Um, Francesco, why don't you uh, start by telling us about the uh, about your background uh, and a little bit about the Here We Go podcast as well with uh, Fabrizio. Yes. So, uh, I mean, I started this, to do this job while I was still at university. And uh, I was, you know, trying to understand what to do with my life, basically. And sport journalism was always like a, a dream for me. And uh, it happened that I had the occasion to start directly with Di Marzio, basically, a part of some previous experiences that I had. And, uh, you know, you start with a, with a big star, right? The superstar of Italian journalism in, that, in this field. And he's, uh, he was um, totally a mentor for me uh, because he taught me everything. He, he, was a, he was a pain in the ass also at the beginning because, you know, I, I had to start, so I, uh, he had to tell me everything. It was really uh, demanding, of course, because, you know, um, in this job, you need to do that. And uh, so after that, I basically had the opportunity to go to Berlin uh, to work as content editor at One Football, and I'm still doing that. And I'm still doing Di Marzio, I'm still doing a lot of things, and since... Uh, I wanted to be even more busy in my life. I decided to start a podcast with uh, with Fabrizio Romano, who is also 
I started to work with him when we were working together for Di Marzio, but we, we are also very close friends right now. And uh, yeah, nothing. We just started this new podcast and it started last week. And now we, it's going to be a weekly podcast and nothing is on Patreon and it's going pretty well. And we, we want to do more in the future. So it's a, it's a nice start. For our uh, listeners who don't know about your about the podcast, uh, when does it get released? It's weekly, you said. So tell us about yeah. when it gets released. It's weekly. Uh, every Wednesday at uh, 3 p.m. we release a new episode. And uh, as I said also before, like um, it's a beginning for us. We, we didn't know how to start really. And we just wanted to do something that was easy to do because we don't have much time. So it's an audio podcast for now. And we try to uh, give more insights or behind the scenes or world of transfer market, which is super complicated. And sometimes, you know, fans for of some clubs ask just, you know, Sancho news, Thiago news. Uh, I'm saying about uh, Premier League right now, right? Just right, news, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, but it's difficult to say, you know, Sancho news every day because what can I say today about Sancho? I didn't say yesterday, right? So um, we try to explain more what we can say in few tweets or few words and uh but just to be clear and we, we want to be clear in this um the, the the news will always stay on social media free for everyone it's not like that we are shifting you know and making money out of the news right that's right. never gonna happen because we don't want to do that of course right. um, it's just to give more insights basically and uh that's our aim excellent stuff um I'm a, when it comes to transfers and when it comes to the Mercato, I, I always have the same, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, see, this, this is what happens when you take a siesta from the, from the podcast. <laughs> you, forget, you forget your vocabulary a little bit, right? Um, no, but, uh, you know, I have a, a disclaimer. Um, my, you know, and it's, it's just what I strictly follow. Unless the club has officially announced it, it's not true. However, um, I also have now started saying if Di Marzio is reporting it, if Romano is reporting it, it does have legs. There's something to it because I think if there's if there's something I can give you guys credit for, it's you guys are you guys are there. You guys are right on with uh, with, with the you know we have to weed through what Corriere della Sport is saying, what what Gazetta is saying, what some of the British tabloids might be saying, and so on and so forth. But when we follow you guys and you guys have the information, it's solid um, and uh, it's become trusted. First of all, thanks because it's really appreciated. There's, uh, this is what we know, what we want, and um, I mean today is very difficult to break a news with something that nobody said before. Yeah. That's the big difference with the past. So like, it's very, if I, if I remember this summer, if I think about the summer, honestly, the only transfer that nobody expected was Akimi to Inter probably. It was just, you know, boom, that's it, done. I'm saying, I'm talking about Serie A, of course, right now. So it's very difficult to, you know, be the first every time uh, because that's also a tricky game, you know, because if you try to be first every time, Sometimes you, you you can be you can be wrong, right? Because you know if you have to say if we have to say everything we know, everything the the little talk, the little agent <laughs> talk, uh, the little WhatsApp, it's gonna mm -hmm. be even me messier than it actually is right now. So we try to the, the the big idea behind this is to say what's really going on, basically. So be transparent as much as we can. So like we we say. 
the things as they stand. We don't want to pretend to say, uh, you know, that's definitely going to happen. Uh, because otherwise, you know, I mean, I don't want to make comparison with other journalists because I, it's not my way of working. But, you know, right. last season, the Guardiola thing to Juve was a huge, yeah. huge demonstration of this. There were people claiming to know insiders in the club, you know, just because they have the car of the mother of Guardiola. <laughs> oh, <of course. laughs> like, really? So... Uh, because that's the world of social media right now. I mean, I have to be thankful to social media. Otherwise, I couldn't meet Di Marzio, I couldn't meet Fabrizio, I couldn't work in this field. So there is, that's the positive side. But also there is the negative side, which is everyone has, you know, the space to say things and can be trustable for some people. So it's difficult to, you know, be part of this world. And the only way I think you can survive, and that's why, you know, the best journalists like Di Marzio, and, but also there are others, of course, are the ones who try just to say the truth, you know, what, what's going on. Maybe they're wrong, you know, because Di Marzio was the one who said one week before Ronaldo uh, went to Juventus, said, uh, as far as I know, it's not that done yet. And then actually it was. So, you know, there are some risks and you, it's ne he's never right. I mean, he's never always right. He's never always wrong. You know, it's, it's, we try to do our best and that's the only way you, we can survive in this Crazy word. <laughs> I think some of the, the hardest part of, of doing what you guys do is that weeding through all, you know, part of my French, the, all the bullshit. Because uh, there are so many rumors, like you said, everyone knows somebody and they think they have the inside track. And it's got to be difficult to, you know, to, to weed through all that and actually just, like you said, say what's what you know, what's true, and don't try to exaggerate anything else. Because otherwise, it looks bad on you. Um, another one, you mentioned Hakimi. Another one I thought was uh, surprising, at least, to, you know, from us on the outside, was uh, Weston McKinney to Juventus. Uh, you know, Absolutely. I follow Schalke very, very closely, and, and Juventus wasn't even on the radar from the Schalke perspective. Um, and then just to hear that happen, and all of a sudden he's done. You're like, wait, what? What just happened? It just it, that's a it's a great example of when people not really knowing what's going on, and then all of a sudden it happens. Yeah, I think uh, if I can add something here, um, yeah, sometimes there is uh, in Italy. I mean, you guys know how it, the Italian world works, right? So yeah. it's like. We pretend to know everything sometimes. We pretend that, you know, we are, uh, we, if no. it doesn't come out, what? <laughs> no, not Italians, really. <laughs> Us, really? <laughs> so sometimes we just, you know, we just need to be careful of what other people say because many news, the Akimi one, for example, if you remember, the, the night before on El Chiringuito, which is one of the best uh, TV shows in Spain, uh, best also in a, let's say, it's very, <laughs> I don't know if you know about it, but it's like they're very humoristic also, but they, they have some journalists who have infos. And there is like Aguirre, Edu Aguirre, who is one of the best friends of Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. And he said that Akimi was close to join Inter, was one of the options for Inter, and nobody said that before. So if you're just careful to do these things that are going around the world, you know, you, you can arrive first also in Italy for other for other news like this one, right? While other times it's just, you know, uh, we, we pretend that, you know, if he doesn't come from us, it's uh, just fake news, whatever. And then it's not because McKinney, for example, Sport Heinz, uh, they broke the news first in the morning. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then it was true. So um, that's why, for example, Fabrizio Romano is, uh, is amazing also because he's, he knows everything about what they say in Argentina, what they say in Brazil, what they say in wherever there are some news and magazines and TVs. He's there. 
So that's why I think is uh, is one of the best out there. Amazing. Um, I want to ask if we, you know, based on what you're, there's still a lot that's still out there, and there's still plenty of time left here in this mercato for deals to get done. Um, what hasn't gotten, you know, what hasn't gotten done yet that you're surprised by? Um, what might, what can you share with our Serie sit down listeners that? we shouldn't be surprised to see happen. I mean, I, and I want to throw a couple of, of, of names at you right, right off the bat, just kind of doing some quick research. Plenty of talk about Luis Suarez going to Juventus, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, today, we're starting to see there's talk that Comiso has lowered Federico, his price on Federico Chiesa, making it attractive to AC Milan. Um, you know, these are the stuff, these are the things that are floated out there. I mean, is there any validity to either of those? Is there any potential to either of those? Or, or what are we, you know, what's yet to be done that, um, uh, that you might be able to share with us that are the, the, uh, the transfers that are a real possibility? Okay, let me say something first, because I, I always said that in these weeks, I feel we are not even in September for some reasons. I don't know, like, right. I don't know if you have the same feeling, but yeah. season is starting next week. And you know, transfer window is gonna end in what's it? Three weeks? Four weeks? Yeah, October fifth or something. Yeah, doesn't look to me right. It seems that we are like in beginning of June. There are like talks. <laughs> there is there there is because it's uh now it's clubs. You know, the financial situation of the clubs completely changed after the Corona virus uh, crisis, right? Yeah. Even more than one expected probably. And um, I remember the interview of Fabio Paratici to Sky Sport, I was I think it was May or April, one of those um, those months, he said very clearly, listen, this will be a transfer market of, you know, you have to be very, very, very good as sporting directors because we need mm -hmm. to find ways to loan players, to do swaps, to do a lot of things that couldn't be couldn't happen in the past. Like I wouldn't be surprised if there will be like two years loan or three years loan a sort of, you know, longer loans, you know what I mean? So it will be more complex transfer market, way more interesting for me, to be honest, because, you know, I mm -hmm. love part of the of football, so it's way more uh, interesting. Uh, but about what you were saying, uh, Frank, um, honestly, the Suarez one is very, very weird to me because um, there are a lot of factors here, like the Italian exam, it's just strange, isn't mm -hmm. it? Like, it's just... I never heard of that, something like that before. Um, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, but I, I find it, I never really believed like in the Suarez uh, to Juve, 100%. And all these things are like, you know, I don't know uh, if that's actually going to happen or not. Uh, I can say that Edin Dzeko is a, is a target for Juve and always be a target for Juve in the next weeks if they okay. don't arrive to Suarez. So totally for me, if Suarez doesn't go to Juve, Jacob will be the one that we look for. And they will push more and they will try to, 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 to push more for him. Uh, I knew from like the beginning of June that the idea was uh, to do Jacob to Juve, uh, Milik to, to Roma, and Napoli getting under, change its under. That, yeah. that was the idea, you know, the, the triangle yeah. that they had in mind, these three clubs. And, um, you know, None of these are happening yet, so <laughs> might be that that's all. Everything was wrong, or maybe it's still going on, and we don't know yet. I think uh, 
Suarez uh, can join Juventus. I don't want to say that we won't join Juventus, but it's not as easy as everyone is saying. Plus, there are four weeks remaining. And when there were the Messi talks uh, three weeks ago, I mean, or two weeks ago, when was it? I was always thinking, do you realize that here we are talking about the best football player in the world that earns uh, for a club, uh, so with taxes, 80 million per year, and, you know, mm -hmm. they want 700 million, and this has to happen in four weeks? Mm -hmm. like, how is that possible? Not realistic. No. Not realistic. Like, there is no... Probably if this, the Messi thing was happening, like, in May and April, Messi was going to leave Barcelona at the end. But there was no time. There was no time. There was no time to trials or to to speak with Barcelona. It was very, very complicated. And there is no really time, right? And I expect, just to conclude this window of on transfers, uh, um, I expect, honestly, the last week or the last 20 days or the last 15 days of this transfer window to be the most chaotic one in the history of transfer market. I have this feeling. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I just look at the, at the rosters of the clubs and I, I see Inter Milan with 33 players. And they have João Mario, they have uh, Raja Engolan, they have Perisic, they have Dalbert, uh, they, <laughs> they are all still there. So there are so many clubs that need to uh, sell players, but there are no money. So they need to wait and probably the other clubs know that. So they, it's just a poker game, right? So the, everyone is waiting, but at one point <laughs> they, have, they need to sell yeah. money. Otherwise... You're gonna be like this, sure. you know. I was I was gonna follow up with the Jekka comment. And I'm glad you brought it up. Is that you know it's funny because that with that all those possibilities that you mentioned, uh, Milik came out and said, you know, at least what we saw is that he's refusing to leave Napoli, right? So, if how 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 reliable is it or how possible is it that Jekka can go to Juventus and what will Roma do from that? Because if Milik is you know their option was their option and he's refusing to leave Napoli, where does that leave Roma if he does leave Juventus? No, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I think they are, con of course, they are connected because they are, they are yeah. connected. But uh, um, they are all different players that have different ambitions in a way. So I think Jaco, um, he's not like 100% convinced of leaving Roma because he loves the city, he loves the club. Uh, he's uh, he's loved by the fans right now, so he doesn't really need to to need Roma. But you know, when you went to school, you and you're going to play with Cristiano Ronaldo, you're you're, you're being, being managed by Andrea Pirlo, which is you know a, pl a plus right now for many players. Um, it's understandable that he can say, okay, if you went to school, me, I want to leave, right? But until now, there was never, uh, you know, uh, Juventus are, are still like. Uh, we want to wait. They are like considering many options. Remember that the option number A, uh, number one for, for Juventus until six months ago was Milik, if you remember. It was uh, the, the, for yeah. months we were saying Milik is going to Juve, right? And then when Juventus told Milik, uh, okay, we, we decided to, to not go for you, he was like, that's quite disappointing. So uh, he decided to, he was, he was not convinced by Roma. But also because Roma ha has um, have Jaco right now, so he's probably saying, "Well, I'm going there with Jaco. I'm not playing. I stay at Napoli if I have to go there and and not have any possibility." That's why I think they're all connected, and mm -hmm. that's why those players are not moving yet. Okay. Remember, the Milik has contract expiring in 2021, so it means yeah. that if he doesn't leave this summer, he will leave for free next year. Yeah. Uh, so it's so we're probably also Napoli also bought Petagna who. 
did amazingly in the first uh, in the first uh, friendly. There is uh, there is Oshiman. So I mean, there is no space for Milik right now at Napoli. Yeah. So I don't see how he can stay. Inter. So we, I mean, we can basically expect an, a fire sale from Inter sometime before the window shuts because of all of the players that they have, and there are going to be some guys going to some other clubs, and they're going to be going for at a, they're going to be going at something that could potentially be less than their value. I mean, a guy like João Mario, I don't know how much value he has anymore. Um, you know, but a guy like Raja Nainggolan, who put on some games for Cagliari during the course of the season, uh, he could be of use for somebody, and you could probably get a player like him for a bargain. Um, so that'll be interesting. Uh, I have a question. We we, we brought up Oshiman. Seventy-seven million. And I watched him a handful of times. I don't. I don't see seventy. I don't see seventy-seven million. I mean, did, did Napoli overspend? Um, that's a very tough question because when we say overspend, what do you mean? Like, um, well, here's yes. here's what I would spend seventy-seven million. I would spend seventy-seven million on Romelu Lukaku. I would spend seventy-seven million on Duvan Zapata. Those are the you know when I look at strikers in Serie A right now. You know, and I'm 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 looking at five attributes that you better tick all the boxes to be worth the seventy-seven million, and that is you know hold up and link up play, physicality, pace, box presence, and finishing. Those are five big things for me, and I think that out of all of the strikers in Serie A, Lukaku and Duvan Zapata are there at an elite level in all five of those areas. And then you've got Bolotti, Immobile, Ibra, and Caputo who I think are just below that and only because one of those five attributes, they're not elite. They're very good. They're just not elite. Um, if I'm spending 77 million on a striker, I better be getting the next Lukaku. I better be getting the next Duvan Zapata. No, I understand what you're saying. Honestly, it's totally understandable, but I mean, to be clear, Napoli didn't spend 77 million. We have to be honest. They okay. spent less because they included some players with oh, they did. Okay. so it was at the end it was like 20 millions less so at the end it was like 50 55 or something uh but still a lot of money of course it's more right. than for example the last year they spent 40 million and it was a disaster in his first yeah. season in Serie A. um but it's understandable what you're saying i i just i mean i i i try to explain more the, the what, what what was the idea behind the club Probably they, they were thinking, I mean, Oshiman, of course, is not a player that's ready right now. It's like a mm. potential for the future. Uh, he's very young. Uh, he did amazingly in, uh, in, the, um, in, um, in France with Lille. But, you know, it wasn't, as you said, it's not Lukaku. who are sure you're getting a player who scores three goals per season. Uh, but potentially he is. So probably they decided to go for him. I think Napoli tried, and I'm sure Napoli tried for Immobile first. That was mm -hmm. the idea to bring Immobile back to Napoli, but then you know it's impossible to negotiate with Lutito. And uh, uh, <laughs> also, also, you have to think about the salary. When we think about transfer market, it's super easy to think about the, the fee, and that's also um, because it's you know uh, you think just about okay, the club spent twenty millions for that player or forty millions for that player, but how much did they spend for the salary per year? Right. Which is the impact of that financially. It's even Right. more important for the club rather than the fee uh so because it, it's through the years right so you have to consider also this this factor that's why for example cristiano ronaldo was a huge impact sure. for juventus not because of the 110 million fee that they paid to real madrid but because they spend 
60 million per year for having Cristiano Ronaldo playing for Juve. Then mm-hmm. he gets 30 because that's the taxation of Italy, but that's another thing. Um, so the impact of the salary, it's, it's another. And Oshiman doesn't, doesn't, doesn't earn as much money because it's super young and he doesn't demand that, while Lukaku earns more than almost 10 million per year, right? So, right. Very different. Right. I think it's always hard to you know talk about the, the, how much the fee is too because the valuation really is to each of the teams and how much they need a player in that position in particular. Um, like for Napoli, they needed a striker, and and you know we're looking at some of these other clubs. You know, everyone wants to look at all the big clubs and what, how they've done this this off season, uh, and they've done pretty well. All of them have done pretty well, but a lot of the smaller clubs are making the waves as well. Um, you know, Sassuolo, you know, for example, they've done really well. They've they've unloaded some players, they bought some players. Atalanta is obviously doing some some great things. Benevento is doing some excellent things. Um, who of the lower club teams do you feel has done really well so far in the offseason? Um, I mean, Atalanta, it's, I don't consider them a lower team anymore. So yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> They've uh, arrived. I, I can't consider Richard has, Richard has really high standards. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, I would say I was impressed by the the teams that come up from Serie B this season. Honestly, I I saw I saw Crotone doing buying uh, very good players. I saw Benevento, of course, as you said, bringing back Leek, who is, for example, a huge signing for a, yeah, for a club absolutely. like Benevento. And uh, and I would I'm not surprised, but Spezia also is doing some interesting moves because uh, uh, they have an interesting owner. Uh, he's a he's a crazy guy, and uh, uh, and they're doing a, a, a transfer window that is uh, is interesting. So I think I think they're, they're, they're the three that come up from Serie B are probably the, the ones that are doing the best one uh, down there. And then if I think other clubs, uh, um, yeah, probably the, those three and. Uh, and uh, let me think. But Torino, Torino did a quite interesting uh, transfer window, uh, buying you know these tactical players for Giampaolo. That I, f- I can, f- I think they can help him a lot. And then there is Cagliari, who every season, every transfer window, they do very good moves. Then we have to see with the new manager how how they will they will go. But I, I think they also did a nice transfer window. Yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they they made uh, Marco Rog and Giovanni Simeone permanent. Um, uh, Razvan Marin. Uh, that, that's an interesting one, Marin. That's a yep. other, uh, uh, because there is a is a playmaker that Cagliari didn't have a playmaker probably since Daniele Conti, so they needed one, and um, he's a he's a potentially is a very good player. They pay him fourteen million euros, so he's a very very important signing. Okay. Um, and then it uh, looks like a couple of youngsters also, uh, Gabriele Zappa and uh, Ricordo's, uh, Ricordo Sotil. Uh, yeah. Godin, my watch, out, watch out for these two because uh, uh, Sotil was very good also in the preseason last year with Fiorentina. Sure. And, uh, and Gabriele Zappa is considerably considerable one of the best uh, young uh, defender in the Italian football. So pay attention to him because I think it will be a surprise for the season. Yeah, I'm, you, you know, it's uh, it, Calgary went some went with some uh, household names, uh, you know, in terms of their mercato last season, and now now they've shifted that policy slightly to bring in some younger guys. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to watching all three of these players and see how they fit uh, in Di Francesco's system. 
Um, question on, okay, so as for the ones that have arrived, um, I always like looking at this and I'm saying, okay, well, forget about how much money was spent or how much you got for, you know, how much of a bargain. I, I think about fit on the pitch. Last season, I thought, you know, out of all of the transfers for Serie A, the absolute perfect fit was Manuel Azzari going to Lazio uh, from Spal. Um, now, looking at who's arrived or who's who's made a new home, you know, which player or players, you know, do you look at and say, this is perfect for him, this is perfect for the club? The first one that comes to my mind is Akimi to Inter. Agreed. To Inter because... Um, he's a perfect player for Antonio Conte system. While I was really, really, uh, I have to be honest with you, and I'm not just saying I was right, but Ericsson, I couldn't see him play for Inter because, um, I mean, tactically speaking, he's not useful for Conte system, to be honest. No. And uh, from also his way of playing, um, I couldn't see him playing for Inter in the 352. Um, I, I couldn't see him there. While Akimi, I don't think will be, and I'm ready to be, be wrong, but uh, will be immediately one of the top, uh, you know, wingers of Serie A. Like will be a yep. boom from the beginning. Probably he will need time. Uh, that's why I'm expecting D'Ambrosio to start, for example, classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <That's> but, <laughs> exactly. I think of I, I I think of what Conte did with Victor Moses at Chelsea, and I see Hakimi. Yeah, also, a, Hakimi, guys, we are talking. I'm before was joining Inter. I was considering him after Alexander Arnold, probably yep. the number two young uh, right, uh, best right back uh, in, in the world. Probably. I don't, young, have, a, I don't have a problem saying that at all. Um, <laughs> I don't have a problem saying that at all. And considering that. We put our team when we put our team of the season together last season, and we couldn't put a we put a left back where the right back should, where a right back should be. <laughs> this league is starving for right backs, even if it's a you know if it's a right wing back like Hakimi. But I mean, I, I'm looking at I'm I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking of Victor Moses at Chelsea, only faster, uh, and also better technique and can score goals. I mean, so I think that's a I think it's a perfect fit. Richard, I think another guy that I and I raved about this signing uh a few weeks ago was Atalanta getting Alexi Miranchuk yep. uh from Locomotive Moscow. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I you look at Atalanta and it's it's clear what they go after in the market. They go after guys who create chances. You know, and I watched Miranchuk play for Locomotive Moscow a handful of times in the Champions League. This is a guy that creates one. yeah. The, yeah, I was the one. <laughs> I was, it was an investment purposes. Uh, but Moranchuk is a guy, he creates chances. Um, much like, you know, Malinovsky creates chances. Papu Gomez creates chances. Uh, Ilicic creates chances. These, these wingbacks that play in Gasparini's system, they create chances. And I think, this, I think that Moranchuk comes in and fits in. I don't know if it's going to be immediate, but I think that he's in there too. Uh, as as far as I'd put I'd, I'd put Hakimi is probably the most perfect fit, but I really like the idea of Alexi Miranchuk at Atalanta. I I expect a lot this season, honestly, from Malinowski. I think uh, yeah. I'm expecting so much from him because last season he was um, unbelievable to be mm-hmm. the first to, to first season in Serie A coming from Gent, who is a totally different league. But this year, I, I'm expecting him to do that step up. So I will be disappointed if he doesn't. Let's say that. Uh, Atalanta, you're right. I mean, they have a, 
as strikers, they have an amazing uh, roster because they have uh, Papu Gomez, who will stay at Atalanta. We can say mm -hmm. that. So uh, he decided to stay, to refuse the offer from Qatar. So he will stay at Atalanta. There is Miranchuk now, there is uh, Malinowski, there is Muriel, there is Zapata, and there is Ilicic because Ilicic mm -hmm. not, is, is still there. Uh, probably we have to wait a bit for him, but if he comes back, I mean, we are talking about a uh, top level here, but not only in Italy. I mean, uh, there are amazing strikers here. So, yeah. yeah, indeed. I mean, Muriel hardly started, he was one of the leading scorers in Serie A last <laughs> yeah. season. Yeah. So, yeah. Richard, who do, you, who, 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 who do you have in mind as, as far as who you've seen arriving at different places? Um, you know, that are a uh, that are that are best fit. You know, it's funny. Um, not many people knew who Weston McKinney were, you know, in Serie A at least. Um, and we knew when, when Pirlo was when when he was hired what he was looking for. He told you in the press conference exactly what kind of style he was looking for. And it seems that Weston McKinney checks all those boxes. And if you look at the friendly, you know, just today against Novara, yes, it's Novara. But you could see how aggressive he was getting the ball back. Um, this is the style of player that I think fits perfectly into Pirlo's system. He's gonna he still has some polishing to do. He's very raw still, but I think. Uh, the hustle that he has there can help, you know, draw his teammates to play better. What would you make of the uh, of the arrival of him with uh, Juventus fitting in there? No, yeah, I'm super excited about uh, Juventus this season. To be honest, I um, I couldn't I couldn't wait to to see Pirlo actually coaching. I was not expecting to see my Juventus at first, to be yeah. honest. But uh, I think you're right. He can be totally a uh, a good sign for them. I'm, I mean, Kulusevski also has to say it's an, my number yeah. number two here. After Akimi, I say Kulusevski because okay. uh, I saw him last year at, at, at Parma and uh, unbelievable, unbelievable how good he was. And also, you saw today the assist to Cristiano Ronaldo, so he didn't start well, yeah. <laughs> badly, right? And uh, Juventus will be interesting to see also which striker they will, will go for. And if it's going to be Suarez, if it's going to be Jacob, but uh, totally interesting, interesting to see. You and the last name I want to say here is, uh, I mean, not because everyone is a transfer, so I cover it, but Sandro Tonali to Milan will be interesting also. Yeah. Uh, how they adapt to him, because it's it's not the player that everyone thinks. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah. I mean, you you guys know Italian football very well and, and watch games, so you know it, but it's not Andrea Pirlo, uh, yeah. Tonali. No. He's not the kind of player that everyone thinks is outside Italy, especially because you know he looks like Pirlo. He was compared to him. He's not the kind of player Tonali. He's much different. And um, I think last year with uh, uh, with Brescia didn't express himself at his best. Uh, I have a friend uh, and colleague also from Brescia who basically knows Tonali since he was uh, <laughs> 14 years old. So he's, uh, if you know, if you want to know something about Tonali, ask him because he knows everything. <laughs> and um, and he, he told me that, you know, it's not just him that he needs to adapt to AC Milan way of playing, but it's also Milan that needs to find a way to, you know, bring him in and be part of the, of the football he plays and will be interesting to see and honestly i really 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 want him to succeed because he's a super nice guy he's an amazing player and honestly he's also the future of italian football so we all have to be for him i'm curious as to sorry richard i'm curious as to how the system works now for milan because if you're making this kind of investment in sandro tonali and you just watched mm -hmm. in the restart the success 
of the midfield partnership of Ishmael Benesser and Frank Kessie. Um, you know, naturally, you think when you watch Tonali play, he was in a deep, more of a deep lying role for Brescia. I mean, Richard and I speculated. Uh, also, um, uh, Stevie from uh, Milan Weekly Podcast also made the suggestion that this could be successful if Tonali plays in front of them. Yeah, um, you know, in I a agree. four two in a four two three one and behind a striker, or you know, where he can do some of that passing and and work some of his technique, you know, in a more advanced position. Um, it's th- that that's going to be key. Is how do you do this without disrupting the success of what's already been established with with this Milan team from the restart? That seems to be the best answer, uh, and you we'll get all of them on the pitch. It will be also interesting because is exactly the opposite that Andrea Pirlo did in his career. Because mm. Pirlo started as a yep. as a um, as a trequartista that I yep. don't know even how to translate in English because it's a role that we only have in Italy right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he went back and became a playmaker, a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And Tonali started more as a playmaker, not really playmaker, but in that kind of area. And I I can see him playing there, but he's very he's a vertical player, Tonali. Mm-hmm. You know? So he can play everywhere, I think. And uh, they need to find a way, but also. Ibra decides there, right? The, 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 the jersey you have, Frank, right there. He's the, he's the one who decides. So he's the boss. <laughs> if Zlatan approves, he can play there. If he doesn't, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's, it's, it's funny. If you watch what Mancini does with the Azzurri, uh, he has Tonali you know, playing alongside Jorginho, almost in a Mezzala role. And I think he could probably play that well because he plays a very vertical role. You know, I compared him to Albertini, uh, the way that very similar styles, very vertical instead of playing horizontally like Pirlo. Um, so how Milan use him will be very interesting, I think. Like you said, how they adapt to him, not necessarily him adapting to them. And I don't see Pioli deviating from his four-two-three-one. Um, you know, because it would be nice to see all three. You know, Kessi, Benasser, and Tonali at the same time. But you know, I don't think he's going to go to a four-three-three or anything. I think it's going to stay with that four-two-three-one. That's his bread and butter, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think Pioli doesn't want to make the same mistake he made in the past with other clubs. <laughs> Because you know, changing is always uh, difficult. A risk, sure. a risk, and you know, I don't think after all, all that happened this summer, you know, he was in danger, Ragnik, uh, all that stuff. You know, doesn't want to be sacked in October or November because he changes and he wants to. I think Tonali would be part of the project, will be central of the project, but maybe he has to wait a bit to have his role in this club. Might be a process before we see him playing extensively uh, for Milan. It's just a gradual, gradually continue with what's been successful, and then eventually, you know, massaging those changes. Yeah. Um, let's dive in here. Um, you know, as we talk about this 2020-2021 season, and we already touched on Pirlo, um, we already touched on Juventus. We talked about Weston McKinney. Arthur's there too. So you know, Juventus. Yeah. I mean, for years it's been talked about. Juventus has to do something about their midfield. They've got to do something about their midfield. What they've got isn't working, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, so they've done that. You know, Kuliszewski's there now. Um, I, you know, with with what is returning to that team, with with Pirlo taking charge of it, um, I think they're going to make it 10 in a row. Um, but, you know, Francesco, what do you expect? And Richard, what do you expect to see, you know, with Andrea Pirlo's Juventus that, you know, might be a departure from what Saudi did, um, or is it going to be just? Is he just in there to manage what uh, what's always been and just work in the new players? Richard, you start or I start? I let the guest start. <laughs> okay. 
Um, honestly, I would be surprised if Pirlo fails. I have to be honest with you because right. the team he has is unbelievable. Of course, it's yep. not like uh, it's not like when Antonio Conte arrived at Juve and he needed to rebuild and win a scudetto with Matri and Bucinic and uh, Krasic, right? So he, I think it's 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 not difficult right now to win a scudetto with Juve. It's not easy. It's never easy, but right. it's not like a super difficult thing to do. And I expect him to to win, as you said, Frank. So I, I think you are, are are the favorites and remain the favorites and uh, are the favorites. By saying that also, I have to say that I think in the Inter need to be a title contender this season and they because they have the occasion to do it. Because Pirlo, of course, uh, I don't think he needs much, much practice like Guardiola when he was at Barcelona at the beginning. Uh, it's comparable, but, you know, there might be the case where uh, at... Benevento, a Crotone, there are some, you know, games that Juventus don't win. And also they did last season, but the Inter were not ready, honestly, last season to, to, no. to go for it. While this season, and I think uh, Conte knows that, and uh, also Inter know that, but they don't want to say that, and they will not say that, they need to be title contenders. And they have the chance this year to do it. Uh, but I think you are still favorite. For me, I think, uh, well, obviously, Juve, there's nothing that they don't deserve anything but being you know, contenders, right? Or, or, or the right. top contenders. I feel, though, with the Pirlo, it's so many unknowns. We've seen what I've seen in practice has been amazing stuff. He's been pushing the team. They've, they've looked a lot better. They almost played Saudi ball now as opposed to when Saudi was there. Um, but I think for me, what I've said from the beginning when Conte was hired, that year two would be the year he would win the Scudetto. And so for me, with the unknown of Pirlo, I'm going to just slightly put Inter over Juventus. And I think they're both up there. They're both going to be you know neck and neck all through the season. Um, but I think, you know, with Conte's plan, they're obviously with the signings, it's a win now. It's not win for the future. It's a win now with older players that he's brought in. He has some younger players, but I think with the unknown, Inter, I think, should start off hot. And the question is, how how hot can Juventus start, and can they keep the pace? And will he fade, like like Francesco said? So for me, I have Inter just slightly above Juventus, but I mean they're both the cream of the crop. Also, to to add what you're saying, uh, I don't want to be drastic, but I don't think there is a future with Conte at Inter. Yeah, uh, no, talking about future. Exactly. Yeah, this is gonna be the last year for me with Conte and Inter working together. Uh, their relationship between the club and him, uh, even after what you know this. Uh, Pace that they they had uh, you know <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's not gonna last long and uh, we know that uh, I'm surprised it's, it's still going on and uh, they're still together at this point <laughs> um, and I think honestly this is gonna be the last year with Conte uh, being the coach of Inter Milan so it's this year if he doesn't make this year it's gonna be someone else so. And I got a couple comments here. I mean, one of the things is it looks like Pirlo is looking at a 3-5-2. That's how he lined up against Novara. Um, yeah. They had been talking about this multiple times in training. I'm very intrigued by it. I think it makes better use of Juan, Juan Cuadrado's talents instead of having them being a fullback, have him operate as a wingback. You could always, you know, and in this system against Novara, you could always go back to a back four because he had Danilo in the back three with Bonucci and Chiellini and you had Alexandro as the left wing back. So you can always go back to that. Um, but 
I'm the, laughing because that's what Allegri did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's what Allegri did, and everybody hated him for it. Pirlo's doing it, and everybody loves him. Yeah, but I think what, what works. Yeah, what works here is that he's got you know he went with Kulishevsky and Ronaldo together up front, and you're talking you're not talking about two out and out strikers. You're talking about two guys that will get the ball in space and can you know, it can run at you and can do a lot of dangerous things. So maybe when they're in possession, guys like Quadrado can come forward, you know, when Arthur's in there, what role he has, you know, and things like that. But then they, if they can hit you on the break and with those two guys, my God, uh, it could get really, really ugly uh, for people that, uh, you know, have to deal with them. So, you know, I like what they're doing there. I look at Inter and and I'm in agreement with all of you guys. I think it's Pazzo Inter. I think that the, the off season provided that. I mean, absolutely, you know, to fluff, your future when you had Sandro Tonali in the bag and in the end, you know, going for guys like um, Arturo Vidal and, and Alexander Kolarov and, and Vidal might still have a little bit left to him. Kolarov is only good for set pieces. Now he can't <laughs> defend. He can't keep up with anybody. He got sent off against Turkey fouling. I can't remember who it was that he fouled, yeah. uh, you know, to get a second yellow. So I, I you, know that, I know that they told me that he doesn't even, train like he he basically trained himself so he, he's capable of no understand when his body needs to train with the team and when yep. he's been trained alone so it's like uh, um i mean it's not a signing for the future let's say call <laughs> and, uh, but that means that that's what conte wanted that was conte when they told him because that's what they told him in that meeting uh that there are no many financial resources for the summer there are no financial resources basically mm. apart of akimi and he said okay he didn't say uh i'm going i'm out he said okay i understand but i decide the player that we get right now for free or for nothing basically right so that's why you get Kolarov, you get vidal potentially another 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 striker and then and then we see what happens with uh, with exits because if there are some uh some players that will go there might be space for another midfielder yeah. but i mean for to have kante that because maybe that's what you want to ask you need to sell brozovic you need to sell joe mario you need to sell Engolan. it's not like just very easy to do it yep and i you know i'm looking at atalanta and i'm looking at how they have managed to stay together. Um, you know, Castan is not there anymore, uh, but they've improved. When we, you know, as we segue into who the challengers are, um, they add Miranchuk. At some point, Ilicic is going to be fit and going to get his legs back under him again. I mean, with all of the playmaking talent that Atalanta have and with what they can do to just about everybody in this league, yeah. I find Atalanta to be more of a challenger to Juventus than Inter. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I mean, and, I, and a lot of this is the the cloud hanging over Antonio Conte's head because you've got players that they're going to be under contract, Francesco, and they're going to ask, you know, how serious do I take this guy if he's not going to be on, be around beyond this year? I have a contract for four more years. You know, I mean, uh, is the message going to get through? So there's 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 those variables that we can't run away from the fact that that actually happens. Mm. So if I, I'm going to give the hot take. I think Atalanta is more of a contender than than Inter is for the Scudetto. Now, having said that, I think that they're both distant from Juve. I think Juve is going to win this thing by about eight to ten points when it's all said and done. Um, but I would not be shocked if Atalanta finished second this season. They're on a trajectory, and it's it's not slowed down. No, no. I, if you were in 2012, I was saying you're a fool. But uh, yeah. <laughs> you're in 2020, and... Uh, 
that's reasonable. I mean, yeah. uh, and it's 2020. Why? What else? I mean, we got to think about other things that are going to possibly oh, happen God. with the year that we've had, right? Guys, we're talking about a club <laughs> that was in Europa League two years ago, was in Champions League two years ago, was in Champions League last year. I mean, that's a project. It's not like, you know, Leicester 2016 in Premier League. It's not yeah. the case. Yeah. It's a club that is working so much to have this and arrive to this level. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. The only thing I don't, I don't agree with you uh, is when you say about Conte that has more years in the contest, so how we can be explained that to the, to the players. I think the relationship he has with the, with the players is totally different than the one he has with the, with the club. Okay. So, if you think about uh, Italy, when he was the coach of Italy in 2016, even there he, he could stay more, he could stay, he could go until the, the, um, the World Cup, you know, and I wish he did because probably yeah. we were playing the World Cup at that point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, the, the relationship he had with the, with the team was amazing. And as far as I know, most of the players... Uh, that uh, play with Inter right now, they are they are they are in love with him. They are they improve so much. So they, uh, it's not like Italy 2016 because of course there are some players who are like you know, not, not so much happy about him. But uh, there is a good relation with the, with the, with the, with the teammates and with the, with the, with the squad. So uh, what happens with the club, I think, uh, doesn't doesn't change. Uh, you know the relation he, he has with the, with the team. Yep. Okay. I think you know. That's my opinion. Eh? Maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm talking about players. You know, I'm talking about players that have contracts that are going to be there for for a while. And at some point, does Conte's welcome wear out? Um, yeah, it just kind of, you know, it, it and does the message does the message get stale and and things like that? I mean, I just, those are just some of the things that. I think the one thing we've heard always about Conte from the players is that they love him. They've always said mm -hmm. that. So I guess that like kind of what Francesco was saying is that, you know, in the locker room, it's a totally different person as to what it is with the management and they love him. They play for him because of that. That's kind of why he, he won with Italy. He won with Chelsea. He's doing very well with Inter because uh, they believe in him. And uh, I think ultimately what he says in the locker room is a different person than what we see, you know, in front of the camera. I, I don't really agree with you because I think Conte is a very genuine guy, a uh, genuine person. He's uh, sometimes too much because you can see what he said on TV Probably the day after he wouldn't say that publicly, and I know, uh, I know for sure that he's also with the players, like he's on TV. So one day he arrives at training ground, he's the happiest person in the world, hugging people, and you know I love being here, and uh, that's amazing. I want to stay here forever. The day after he goes to the Pinetina Piano Gentile, he wants to destroy everything and say, okay, I'm out, I'm leaving today. Uh, He's a, I don't want to say crazy because I, I have so much respect for him. Mm -hmm. really. well, I'll say it. Okay. <laughs> but he is like really, he, he, he's a, he's a genuine, he's, he's very genuine, he's very transparent. So what you see uh, on TV is how he is in reality. But mm -hmm. then that's also what, you, what you're saying probably is referred to how his, rela his relationship with the club. So uh, probably what he says with Marotta and Ausilio and Zhang uh, privately is totally different than what he actually feels with the with the with the with the, the guys that he trains every day. So there are these two mixed emotions that, at the end, 
few words is not going to stay much because how can you stay with this you know environment sure. for a long time it's stressful uh it's super stressful for him but also for the club because at one point they say we pay you 12 million per year and you complain about everything it's like <laughs> all right so i mean we talked about you know Juve as the as the team to beat again we're talking about the challengers and then uh let's talk about you know when we look at what happened last season when we look at kind of with the direction that some of these clubs are taking we saw some big surprises last year Hellas Verona made a very nice run Sassuolo was very entertaining to watch uh you know Parma showed some stability in their second season um you know and those are some examples uh Francesco give us a team that you think could be a real surprise this season um, and then give us a team that, okay, this is probably as high as they're going to get, and they're probably due for a fall this year. I start with the second one because I, I, I already talked about it uh, before, and it's Elas Verona, honestly. Okay. Uh, I don't see them you know, being on the level of last year, also because they sold a player like Ramani, Amrabat, uh, who were key for them. And, you know... Uh, replacing them it's not easy that's why also Juric wasn't even uh, that sure to stay because he, he knew they was going to be way more difficult this year I'm not saying they're yeah. going to be relegated I'm not saying that it will be a total disaster I'm saying that you know uh, from a Europa League level I don't think they can reach that level again uh, the team that I, I I think that can be a surprise this season and uh I, I really hope so. Actually, it's Benevento. Uh, I think they can be uh, a surprise because Inzaghi has the right experience right now to coach in Serie A. He mm -hmm. already coached with AC Milan, already coached with Bologna. Uh, it was a disaster with Bologna. It was with Milan. You tell me, uh, but it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't. It could, really have, been, it could have been better. <laughs> could have been better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so I think I think Benevento also they don't want to make the same mistakes they did. Three years ago when they uh, arrived first for, for the first time in Serie A and they yeah. did the first part of the season was shocking for how bad it was. So I think there is also this, uh, they want a revenge and uh, they can be they can be a surprise. And then I expect a lot from Cagliari, honestly. I'm expecting so much from Cagliari, but not only because, not, not because of the club, because I know how they work and that they're not a problem, because Di Francesco, honestly, he needs a river, uh, another, 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 you know, positive experience. He was super good at Sassuolo. He was good at Roma for the first part, and not that good for the second part. A disaster at Sampdoria. So he needs, I think, uh, to rebuild his image. And Cagliari is the perfect place to to do that. Yeah. Um, Richard, uh, who's 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 in for a surprise? Who are we in for a surprise with? And uh, you know, who's probably hit their ceiling and is going to move down a little? Uh, that's that's a great chat about you know, all that stuff that Francesco was talking about. Um, who's due for a fall? I mean, I, I'm with you there with the Hellas Veronas uh, for sure. We we thought the Hellas Verona would uh, they did really well last year, and it's going to be hard to replicate that for sure. I think another team you could look at with that is Parma. Well, they started out very hot last year. They did fade at the end. I think the hiring of Liverani leaves me questioning whether they're going to continue that same kind of style that they had to begin the season. They've lost Kulishevsky, obviously, and some other key players. Uh, so I'm I'm not really so sure about Parma this year. Um, team, you know, I'm going to be set a surprise this year. You know, obviously Benevento, I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, Sassuolo was a, was a surprise for us last year, but I think they're going to be even sniffing more into the Europa League hunt this year. 
Um, you know, they kept a lot of the players. They kept Jeremy Boga, Caputo still there. They got a pretty decent squad. They've done really well. Greg Rutherford's there. Uh, it's a good squad, and they're going to make it difficult for the teams up top. I mean, obviously the top, looking at the Scudetto, the Scudetto contenders, it's a tight race. There's probably four teams, arguably. Champions League, there's even more teams that, that could probably make it. It's going to be a very big fight. And then Europa League's even a bigger fight, I think. And I think Sassuolo has a good chance to make it into that fight uh, the way they played down the stretch. I mean, I think adding a guy like Vlad Ciriches for their – I mean, they they desperately needed some some help in defense. Um, and having a guy who at least offers experience may not be the first guy we're turning to for a center back, you know, for our, for our favorite teams. Um, you know, but I think that he's better than – you know, what they've had there. Um, and then Ion coming over from Fortuna Dusseldorf, Richard, you're familiar with him probably a little bit more than Francesco and I are, um, <laughs> you know, so th- th- those are some upgrades there. And if those guys pan out with the attack that Sassuolo have going forward, we always joked about Francesco. We were calling Sassuolo. They were the fun, bad team of Serie A. They were so bad, but they were also so fun to watch because there were so many goals. There was like five or six goals in a game every time you saw them play. So yeah. That's you know, the style I, of their manager also. So. It's, yeah, very chaotic. So, you know, if they can get things tightened up, I mean, and there's there's some guys that are, you know, certainly, you know, to to, to Richard's point, you talk Boga, you talk Berardi, you talk Caputo, you know, Locatelli at the moment staying. Hamed Junior Triari was very good down the stretch. Um, you know, so you're looking at that. You're looking at Haraslin trying to fit in there, Raspadori, Brabia. So, and then and, and we it didn't even get to Philip Juricic, you know, who has a lot of experience. So there's plenty there for Sassuolo to certainly make some noise. I like that shout, Richard, um, you know, as far as a surprise is concerned. And then as far as a, you know, as far as a, a team that's, you know, probably reached, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to shoot a little bit um, higher as far as the disappointments. Um, and I, I'm worried about Roma. Um, you know, I think that, there's been a standard that, you know, Roma fans expect, you know, competing for top four. I look at this squad, you know, Zaniolo goes down again, which is, a, which is, which is terrible. And I, I really mean it. I hope they take their time with bringing him back, that they're not going to try to have him back by February, like reports are suggesting. Um, but when you take a look at, you know, they're bringing in Pedro for free, which obviously offers a lot of experience, but um, you look at the, you, you look at them as a collective and as a defense, it's, it's scary. Um, and I don't think they have the players. And if Jekyll goes um, now, now what are you looking at for a center forward? Can Milik do it? I mean, if you ask the Napoli supporters, if you ask our friends over at far from Vesuvius, they can't stand Milik. They can't get him out fast enough. Um, you know, so if they we're going to have this merry-go-round Roma, you know, of strikers, Roma loses big time. I don't think Roma finished top six. Um, when I look at how, when I look at, I I think that Lazio has enough stability and I think they're the better capital team right now. Um, I look at Atalanta, I look at Inter, I look at Milan has, has made tremendous improvements. Gattuso is going to have Napoli fighting in every match that they're in. And then you're talking about the elements of surprise, like a Sassuolo, like a Cagliari. I think that Roma might find themselves in for a difficult season. And, And by difficult, I mean, I, it would, it would not shock me to see them finish seventh or eighth this year. Plus, there is a, a new property coming in, and that's always a problem in this mm-hmm. kind of season. I'm not a problem because in this case, it's a good opportunity for the club. But I'm saying that, you know, they confirmed the, the, the coach. But, you know, you don't, I mean, could it really change it? Like, it's like in, this, in these cases, you, you just go on with what you have, and then 
on the way you change things. So like they don't have a sport director right now. They they don't have a which is you know in Premier League it's normal. So when I say this to my colleagues in in Premier League, they say, oh, what, what does a what what's a sport director? Like what are you talking about? Like that's important in Italy. So like we need him. And um, plus the manager, you know, like uh, we see what's gonna happen. I don't know if he will last like long with this club. Maybe yes, maybe not. Uh, but a new property coming in is always a problem, you know, in the, in a season. I, if I remember the last ones, I think when Milan changed it, it was a disaster. When Inter also with Suning arrived, they had the they, they had the season with four managers. Remember yeah. with the board. So that was the first season of Suning in, with Inter Milan. So it's always a problem. So I agree with you in this case, Frank. Yeah. So. All right, so we talk, we've been talking a little bit about new managers. We talked about Andrea Pirlo at, at Juventus, Eusebio Di Francesco at Cagliari, which that's another victory lap, Richard. Did a couple of months ago yeah. when when they were looking for a manager, we said on this podcast, how about EDF, how about EDF going to Cagliari? Yeah, that was awesome. Um, and then it happened. What's that? Was a good call, this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Marco Giampaolo going to trade you. Speaking of career revivals, he's at Torino. Um, uh, Rolando Moran has a, has landed yeah. in Genoa, and then Fabio Liberani at Parma. So um, let's take Pirlo and Juve out of the picture because I think we're all kind of in a consensus. Richard, you might tip Inter for the title, um, but we're all in a consensus that Pirlo really can't fail with this Juve team. So yeah. you know, Di Francesco at Cagliari, Giampaolo at Torino, uh, Moran at Genoa, Liberani at Parma, and Francesco, who's Who's best set? Who's best set up for success? Who'll be the most successful of those four? Uh, out of these, I think Giampaolo, honestly. Uh, okay. I know it's a it's a weird call, maybe because uh, for what he has done uh, with AC Milan, but I think he he's the first one who wants a a sort of revenge, of course, because everyone was blaming him last year. Uh, rightly so, probably. So he he wants to is the one who wants to you know change his the idea of everyone again. Um, if I, then I I like Maran to be honest. I really like him as a manager, and I, I hope he does well. But I know that working with Genoa is a mess. So yeah. uh, if he arrives at the end of the season, it's already a big success to be honest. Yeah. Um, so out of these, also seeing how is the team, I say Torino is probably with Giampaolo, I would say. And I don't, I don't hate that idea to be honest. Um, and and the reason I say that is because when you take a look at the squad that's in place there, exactly, it exactly. fits what he wants to do. He wants that you know that four three one two that he saw success with at Sampdoria, and then yeah. you know Empoli prior to that. You got guys like Iago Falke who could play in that trequartista role. Uh, Simone Verde can do it. And then you can play a two-man. You got Belotti and Zaza, you know, in attack. Berenguer can mix in there. So, you know, the tools are there for him to be successful and implement what he wants to do. You bring in a Carol Linetti who understands that system and can fit. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he brings back, uh, you know, Thomas Rincon also is another solid midfielder in this mix as well. Um, so... And and they've got goalkeeping and they've got defending. I mean, Sidigu is a is a solid goalkeeper. This is a this is just a Torino side that just lost their way. Um, you know, over the restart, Longo was just a terrible fit for them. Um, yeah. You know, so I I don't mind that shout. Um, I, I because I we called 
Di Francesco De Cagliari. That's the one that I want to see do the best. <laughs> um, you know, I already and, said this as the surprise of the season, so I had to change, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. And, you know, sometimes you got to go against the grain, uh, and that's fine. But and, and I don't, I don't hate the idea of Giampaolo being successful at Torino. I actually think it's a good shout. Um, the thing when we look at Di Francesco, you know, and he just he ran his course at Roma, and then when he got the Santori job, you know talking about another crazy owner um, and not given the squad and not given the players that he needs to be successful there. I mean, I remember the opening game last season against Lazio, he's playing his four, three, three and his front three are all strikers and none of them can move. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so he's now at Cagliari where he has a reasonable chance to put in what he wants to do there. Um, you know, Marco Rogue seems to be, an ideal winger, an ideal wide guy that could fit what Di Francesco wants to do. Marian is a playmaker out of the midfield, as we talked about. Um, so there's some pieces here. And then you have Giovanni Simeone in season two. He should be he should be successful in this setup if it's done right. So I, I think it's between those two guys, Richard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I do like EDF. Uh, I think Di Francesco has a good opportunity to do well with Galeri, as, as both of you have mentioned. Um, it just seems like it's a, it's a perfect storm, uh, and I think he'll have a, a good revival with Galeri. Galeri started out strong, and then they faded last year, and I think, um, I think we're all hoping that EDF does well this time around. So I'm not going to go too much on Galeri, but, you know, in terms of players, a manager, I think, is going to go first. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about Liverani. Um, Giampaolo, I'm still also not sure of, but I think uh, for some reason with me, and I'm going to go opposite of you, Francesco, I think Maran, some reason with him and Genoa, it's just not linking up with me. And I have a feeling, I have a bad feeling Genoa is going down this year because of Maran. And not, not just Maran, the, the, the team as well, but I just, for some reason, it's, I want to pick the other, I want to pick somebody else, but Maran keeps jumping out at me that he's going to not do well there and be the first one to go. And I, I hope not. I like the guy, um, but it, it just keeps bouncing out to me. And I hate to see that. Yeah. Let's segue to that. Who is the first manager to get sacked, Francesco? Who do you see getting who, who are you getting see sent off first? I have a, honestly uh I hope not, but I have a bad feeling about Claudio Ranieri this season. Okay. Uh, because I but not because of him. I think he's a, I love him and I think he's a great manager. Also last season said that. But you know, this summer Sampdoria didn't do anything. No. They're not even discussing players, basically. Yeah. So I find him, you know, I find it difficult, uh, the Sampdoria. Uh, I would say between him and Gotti, Udinese. Because if you see the, 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 the squad that Udinese have, I don't know how they can stay in Serie A, honestly. So they, I need, they need to do a miracle, uh, both of them, to stay in Serie A. I thought I was going to be on an island uh, when I pick Udinese for the drop. <laughs> Later on, we talk about who gets relegated. So, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Um, uh, and and I'm I'm for that reason. I, I think Gotti gets the sack. Uh, you know, I think you gotta you gotta correlate who gets the sack first with who the crazy owners are. Yeah, and the Pozzos aren't very patient. And no. um, you know that's evident at both clubs that they own Udinese and at Watford. And I I think that they'll have a run of poor results. Um, you know, to open the season. And then I think that that's going to translate to Gotti getting sacked as hard as he worked to get the job. But, but that's then, why it's said Ranieri, right? Because it's Ferrero there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Ferrero. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but I mean, Udinese, you're taking Fofana out of this team. You're taking Ken Sema out of this team, who was very useful in terms of their 
you know, survival, uh, you know, through the restart played a big, mm -hmm. play, played a big role in Udinese's win over Juventus, um, you know, and, and you're slowly starting to get rid of players like that. Um, you know, Rodrigo de Paul, a lot of talk about him getting sold, um, you know, so what's left there? I mean, Juan Musso might be our goalkeeper of the season again, uh, because he's probably going to average nine or 10 saves a game, but he's also going to concede three or four a game. So, yeah. Um, it's, I, it's not looking good. So yeah, I'm, I'm tipping Gotti from Udinese as the first to get sacked. Richard, how about you? Maran's me. Maran for me. With the same thing with the owner, with the Genoa. And yep. I, I, I don't like that situation for some reason. It's just bugging me. So Maran. Genovese uh, Calcio, uh, not, <laughs> not looking, good, not looking good yeah, in our opinion. <laughs> I know. I hate to see it. So. No, that's for sure. So, uh, you know, moving on to the uh, newly promoted sides, we, we've been talking about each of them a little bit. Benevento, Crotone, and Spezia. Um, are we all in agreement? I think, you know, the way the moves have been made, Benevento seems to be the most likely to survive out of the three if you had to pick one. Um, I just am hesitant over people in Zaghi as manager because he's a brilliant Serie B manager between what he did at Benevento and then what he did prior to that at Venezia, which earned him the Bologna job. But then he gets into Serie A and he's a deer in headlights and he gets, you know, and he gets the sack pretty quick. So that's where I'd only be hesitant. But when I look at these teams on paper, I, I, I have to say Benevento. Um, there's no way Inzaghi can screw this one up, is there? No, I as I said, I think they they have a they want to change you know what they have done three years ago. So they really uh, I think they they can survive. I'm also actually positive about the the two others. I'm not that like last year I was sure that if not two or three were were going down. Like I remember last year I said in the one football prediction that we have done. I said um, I said Spal, I said Brescia, and I said Dallas Verona, and I was wrong, of course, with Verona. But uh, uh, I was uh, I was almost right with with all of them. Uh, mm -hmm. This season, I'm really, really, it's difficult to predict. And I would say because the, the the one who came up from the from the from the Serie B, uh, they are doing an, an interesting transfer window. Also, Spezia, I think they will I think they will be relegated, but they will they will try to survive and will fight a lot. Uh, Crotone, mm. they buy they're buying a lot of players, but when you buy a lot of players, it's not always a good thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. I agree with you. With the three, I think Benevento is the most likely. Richard, yeah, I, I I agree. I think Benevento looks the most certain to survive. Um, I like the moves all three teams are doing, like you guys are saying. Uh, for me, I think Crotone uh, has some good good players on their team. Uh, good Syria veterans, uh, La Spezia as well. I think. Sorry, I opened the window because uh, here in Italy is almost dark, so the light. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was saying, I, I think uh, you know La Spezia and Crotone will make it interesting because I think both Genovese clubs are going to be in the in the uh, in the fight, um, and you know maybe some other teams as well. But you know Benevento looks to me as of right now with the moves they're making. Some fantastic moves that they're going to survive, and La Spezia and Crotone, I think, are going to give teams their money's worth. It's going to be difficult uh, for sure, but I think uh, they're doing some decent moves. They're doing pretty good moves overall, uh, especially com compared to Sampdoria, like you said. Uh, so it'll be interesting. It may, you know, we it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fantastic to see three teams, you know, get stay in the league after yeah. they get promoted. But um, for That's me, at least, certainly Benevento, you know, I think is going to stay up. Yep. 
All right. Uh, now on to individual players, and uh, this is uh, this is the one that I have to defend. Uh, I have to defend my, uh, my championship on now. So the Capucan and Yeti race. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of talented players. There's a lot more goals being scored in Serie A nowadays uh, than a generation ago. You know, a lot of it is because of the talent that we. That, that this league boasts in attacking positions. That a lot of it also is because there's some pretty bad teams uh, in this yeah. league as well that lead to that happening. So I'll put you guys on the spot, and then I'll give you my my pick. I, I thought about this last night already, but Francesco, who do you like for Capocannonieri this year? Honestly, I think in this case, you have to start because you are the, the one who... <laughs> You're already champions. Come on. Well, no, because here's what's going to happen. Because if I do it, you guys are going to just agree with me. I, I want to no, hear what you do. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. And I am going with Romelu Lukaku to be Capocannonieri what? this year. You're not going um, with Immobile. What's that? Not going with Immobile. Not going with Immobile. Um, and my reasons are, you know, the addition of Hakimi. Um, you know, for his, all this crazy stuff we've said about Inter. Um you know, I think that he's acclimated. He acclimated himself quite well in his first season. We talk about when strikers come over for a first season in Serie A, traditionally it's tough for them. Um, you, you rarely have a guy coming in and, and scoring 20-plus goals, you know, not like you know Lukaku did. Um, I think that the support that he's going to have around him, and, and you look at a player like Hakimi on the right-hand side, the players that he's going to have on the left-hand side, a support striker, whether it's an Alexis Sanchez, whether Lataro is still there, um, you know, and then he also gets playmaking from the midfield. And let's not so not also not forget that back three, some of those guys are pretty good passers. You know, Stefan de Vrij, um, you know, if you know Kolarov, uh, you know, if he if he finds some passing range, there are going to be a lot of opportunities for Lukaku to eat. And then not to mention he can also create his own chances. Um, I don't see 36 from anybody this year, uh, mm. but I can see Lukaku scoring 29 to 30. Um, and I think that can 29 to 30, maybe as high as 32. Um, and I will go for him as my Capo Cononieri this year. George is saying Joao Pedro for 31 this year. Good luck. <laughs> we like we like Calgary. We don't like him that much. <laughs> Francesca. Uh, okay, I'll be honest. I picked Lukaku in my prediction with one football, but I changed it here. Because <laughs> no, I, if you I, agree, if you, you know. Just it. to contradict you. Okay. <laughs> No, no, I think Lukaku, Lukaku is, uh, is, is totally one, one name, but I try to be more romantic because there is the year of the Euros and I really, really hope that Ciccio Caputo makes it and uh, it oh, would I be can. amazing. Uh, I think they can score a lot of goals because Sassuolo are goal machine, as, as you said also before. And uh, with the Euros coming up this year, he will be even more motivated to score because he scored so much in the last games but not so much in the first part of the season so maybe he can start already scoring and uh i can i say ciccio caputo but lukaku is also my other option so we are i partly agree with you okay fair <laughs> richard sandro tornali no i'm just kidding no. <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding uh you know i i was certain you were going to pick immobile so i was like i'm gonna go lukaku so now that you pick lukaku i'm gonna go away from that uh i'm not gonna say immobile uh the other player i think and you know, i think atalanta are gonna score many goals again this year um, Duvan Zapata, you know him or Murial, they're both they're both gonna be up there. But I think Duvan Zapata with the with the starting striker role uh, is gonna have a chance to score a boatload of goals. I mean, Atalanta, we know the score, gonna score around 100 goals this year again. So uh, for me, it's Atalanta gonna get many goals, and Duvan Zapata is gonna get a, a big chunk of that. So um, a big year for him, I think. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. So I've got Lukaku. 
Francesco kind of has Lukaku, but he's going to go for Caputo just for the sake of being different. And then, uh, and then Duban Zapata. So I like that. Yeah. And I, I, I want to see Caputo get some run in, in that, in that national team setup in that four, three, three. It's as, as I watch Belotti and I watch Immobile, you know, play in that role, uh, you know, and, and, and I think that maybe, and I made this comment against Netherlands, I think Immobile probably played his best game uh, under Mancini uh, mm. just recently, but yeah. Caputo is a 4-3-3 striker and would like to just see him get the opportunity in those games and see it because if he up he it's not unreasonable to think uh that he can outperform each of those guys in that in that role for Italy. You, sometimes you just got to think about who fits. I mean, heck, France didn't take Benzema with them to the World Cup in 2018. So it okay uh, for them. Yep, and that worked out okay. So all right. So now finally on the spot. Um and then we'll have who won Calcio Twitter. All right, top four. Mm. Who makes the Europa League and who gets relegated? All together, I say. <laughs> Juventus. Yeah, yeah uh, right. you, you, you first. So I say, I say, uh, top four. I say Juventus. I say not in order. I just say the who makes it to a Champions League. Oh, you gotta Juventus. pick the you gotta pick the champion. <laughs> okay, Juventus, Juventus champion. Yeah, I already said that. So you were yeah. you were wins. Then I say not in order, but uh, who goes to Champions League? Inter Milan. I say Atalanta, and I say uh, Lazio. Okay, same then for I, same for the this past year. Okay. Then I, then I say with yeah exactly same as last year. Um, with uh, in the um, Europa League, I say for sure uh, Napoli uh, and Milan, and I'm not sure about the, the third one because I agree with you that Roma can be a tough year. I will say more a surprise, and I say Sassuolo in this case. Okay. Uh, so I can justify my Ciccio Caputo <laughs> being the Capocano <laughs> of, of the season, uh, and then for relegation. I say Udinese because, I, as, as I said already, I don't see them well. Then I say Spezia. Uh, and then I say Sampdoria. Oh, wow. Okay. So you got Crotone and Benevento staying up. Yeah. Okay. Richard. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. So champion, I'm going to stick with Inter. Inter to win the Scudetto. Uh, top four in no particular order. Uh, Inter, Juventus, Atalanta, and Milan. Okay. Uh, in the Europa League spots, I'm going to go Lazio, Napoli, and Roma just missing out. or just are in seventh place. Um, and then relegation, man, it's, uh, it's that's a tough that's a tough one, I think. That's almost the toughest one to call. Uh, yeah, always. I, I, I like to shout about Udinese. I think I'm going to go, oh, man, I... I hate to say this, and I'm, I'm going to get blasted for this. I'm going to say Sampdoria, Genoa, and La Spezia. All right. So oh, they, we love you in Liguria, you know. <laughs> <laughs> none, of us, none of us are going to Liguria anytime soon. <laughs> Go to Cinque Terre. Amazing place there. But. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. Uh, I got Juve, Juventus will make it 10 years in a row. Uh, and I'll pick I'll pick top four in this order. I think it's Juventus one, Atalanta two, Inter three, Milan four. Um, fifth and sixth go to Napoli and Lazio, and uh, seventh is Sassuolo. 
Um, I agree with you, Francesco. I think they've strengthened enough, and I think Roma's going to have a lot of uncertainty about them and enough that it's 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 going to take them out of the the traditional top six, somebody always falls or somebody's always due for some regression in a fall. And I think it's Roma yeah. this time. I'll stick with that. So uh, relegation, um, I, I'm going to relegate Spezia. Uh, I'm not totally convinced on Crotone yet, um, you know, and I and I want them to prove me wrong. Uh, I, I couldn't pick them. If, if Crotone stay up, you'll have to ship me the jersey then because uh, okay. <laughs> I'm picking them to go down. Um, so I'm going to go Spezia, Crotone, and Udinese. I, I, you know, I think Sampdoria and Genoa are awful, but they're just good enough to survive. So, uh, so that's where I'll go. I'll go uh, Juve, Atalanta, Inter, Milan, and then Napoli, Lazio, fifth and sixth, uh, Sassuolo, seventh, and then Udinese, Crotone, and Spezia for the drop. So, okay, all we'll right. Finish off with a little who won Calcio Twitter. This is uh, our our hashtag game that we play, Francesco. We try to find from people on Twitter that give some of the funniest, um, sometimes mean takes um, on Calcio, and we put it on the board, and we try to pick a winner each week. So um, we uh, first because I have to I have to find I have, I save some of them, but I have to to look for them first because I I did my homework. So okay. I'll read them. I'll read them for you. Okay. Uh, this one was nominated by Richard. It, Richard, it is uh, uh, sent by at Tamsa7A. Uh, her name is Stefania. Um, it's, I guess, in relation to Juventus's. Is this Juventus's third shirt? Yeah, third shirt. Yeah. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> love the guy wearing it, but I really hate the kit. I can't stop seeing Fred Flintstone. Why not gold <laughs> or return to pink like the 2011 2016 kits? Okay. Mm. Not bad. Not bad. I put this one up at man like Bona. Uh, I would assume it's for Bonaventura. Uh, sw- switched from Elon Brescia to Liverpool Leeds, and goodness me, this drop in quality. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, let's see. Uh, Saturnian 96. Um, four pictures of Tonali that will make you say, That's not Tonali. That's Kylo Ren. They say that right. Kylo, is it Kylo Ren or Kylo Ren? Kylo Ren. Okay. So, um, yeah, that was good. now I'm not, I, I'm not up on, 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 uh, on current. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta admit the pictures of, of Kylo Ren look exactly like Tonali. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So that one, that one made it. Um, <laughs> Uncle Sharma at R Sharm ZZ. Uh, Orsato getting a Champions League medal before Juventus. <laughs> the picture of Orsato getting his medal for uh, officiating the Champions League final. Um, we put this on. George George Widmer put this on. Um, it's not culture related, but we we decided to throw it on there. Um, Mbappe's first half highlights versus Bayern, and it's the uh, turtle Kick uh, from the tortoise and the hare uh, walking and kicking a football. So, um, so clever. Uh, not bad. And then. Uh, Finally, um, oh, hang on. Uh, we got a couple more. Pouty Saudi at Pouty Saudi. Buffon will get a champion's medal as a lifetime honorary board member posthumously. <laughs> so well after his death, they'll give him one because they feel sorry. Um, uh, let's see. I have this one that I saw right now. I mean, I was looking to another one I couldn't find. 
And uh, you know, guys, you guys know Statutos, right? It's one of the culture Twitter mo moment, uh, biggest uh, stars. Yeah. And he just posted this like one hour, no, like very like 10 minutes ago. And that's amazing, I think. Uh, it says Alan, uh, player of the, of the game against Tottenham, that they won against Tottenham Alan with Everton. And there is the picture of Gattuso and McDonald here. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Statuto. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Looking for him here. Okay. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. yeah. He's. He's a legend. Um, let's see here. I got a, uh, let's see. Where is that? Alan Man of the Mac. Yeah. <laughs> <Minnesota> McDonald's. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we got to throw this up there. Uh, That's good. Uh, and then the only other one, let's see. The only other one that I had in addition to that finally is, uh, Gosh, where is it? Um, from Art Morelli. Uh, let's see. And this was from back on August 9th. This is how long we've done since how long it's been since we've done a uh, show. Since we've done a show. So uh, August 9th. Uh, <laughs> here's somebody's nonna pulling weeds out front with a fucking machete. Jesus Christ, I miss Brooklyn. <laughs> it's a picture of some old lady with a big knife and a bunch of weeds on the ground. So wow. <laughs> it's hard to see. Oh my! Uh, so who wins Calcio Twitter out of all of those guys? For me, I, I like the one that Francesco did, and then um, Uncle Sharma with his uh, or Sato getting the medal before you. Yeah, yeah, that one was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna get. I'm I, I, I'm going for uh, I'm going for Uncle Sharma too. Okay, okay uh, let's go with him. Yeah. All right, so Uncle Sharma, if you are listening, you have won Calcio Twitter uh, with oh. your. <laughs> Congratulations. We don't give out an award for this. We just, <laughs> um, but uh, your, your, uh, your, your take on um, your picture of Orsato saying uh, uh, Orsato winning a Champions League medal before Juventus. So um, there was one other one uh, uh, at Alessio Tackle um, uh, back on August 7th after Juve got eliminated from the Champions League. It's a video of Buffon with his head in his hands and saying, now I need to beg for another two years contract. <laughs> so, so, but no, I, I, uncle Sharma, our, uncle Sharma is our winner. <laughs> so, totally. so hashtag who won Calcio Twitter, uh, be on the lookout for some funny Calcio tweets and, uh, we will read them on the air on the next episode. So, and that'll do it for this edition of Serie sit down preview della Madonina in the books. Uh, Francesco, floor is yours anything that uh, you want to plug that our listeners can find and where they can follow you no i mean thank you so much for having me it was a was a pleasure really really nice to talk to you and uh, as i said as i told you before i lived in the u.s so i every time i'm connected to your amazing country i'm always happy so wonderful thank you for having me i mean you can find me on twitter on instagram whatever you want i try to answer on dms whenever i can but uh, this summer became out of my hand so i i can answer every time so yeah uh, we won't blame you we won't, we won't blame you if it's out of your hands over the next few weeks especially <laughs> so thank you so much guys excellent richard how about you yeah um, as always you can follow me at r underscore k-h-a-r-m-a-n uh i just wanted to say that you know we're getting closer to uh our three some followers here on on twitter so uh you know i think you know we're gonna be releasing some merchandise here soon so you know whoever gets that three thousand sub. Uh, 
subscribe, I guess, subscription. Uh, we'll maybe send a gift out to them. Who maybe that? Some uh, some swag. So yeah, thank you again for everyone who listened. I don't, and, uh, I don't put any money into this, so I, I didn't. credit card. Sorry, I didn't know. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> I'm at FTC underscore twenty one on Twitter, so you can follow me there. Um, uh, Seria, sit down. We're available on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we have our own channel there. We have our own channel on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever podcasts are played. You can find Seria, sit down. Uh, the YouTube channel right here where you are watching us live. Uh, please drop a like. Please subscribe. We're always presenting content. And uh, Richard with an excellent video on Sandro Tonali recently, how he's more like Dimitro Albertini than Andrea Pirlo. Uh, very compelling take there. Uh, but plenty of other stuff as we go along. We'll do clips from this podcast. Uh, I might even start shooting some videos here too uh, as soon as I can get the equipment. So we got it. I, I got to evolve here, man. Gotcha. So um at Syria sit down on twitter on instagram you can also follow us on facebook drop messages anywhere there uh for maybe any ideas for our podcast or uh, anything you would like us to cover in future podcasts so gonna be an amazing season uh gonna be a chaotic season we're looking forward to it uh next weekend it kicks off already uh and uh and we can't wait because um this uh this 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 premier league uh uh football that they call it was leaving me a little bit uh uh leaving me a little bit depressed uh bring me back my calcio <laughs> I agree. I agree. so francesco was a was an honor having you on uh let's thank get you. you back on again soon thank you thank you guys thank you all right best and of luck for, on the new show you bet best of luck on the new podcast we will definitely be listening thank uh you. Thank and you. for richard i'm frank thanks as always and as always make sure you tell your paisans about us ciao